Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 46th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebound. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh Nathan will be back with you guys once again. We're going to put a finishing touch on Brown, on the victory over Brown from Friday night. Get Anthony's thoughts. We've got some things we've got to clean up on the pod. Mm. We're going to preview the College of Charleston matchup, give you some background information on the Cougars, give our keys to the game, pick the game, and all that great stuff. But before we do that, we give you our pod thought of the day. We go to ESPN broadcaster Jay Billis for today's pod thought. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. There are so many issues I have going into this pod. Oh, my God. Yeah. College- this is a dookie. But he's a college, he's he's a college basketball oh aficionado, God. big supporter of Hubert Davis, and uh, one of used to be one of my broadcasting idols. Not so much now, but he still has a place in my heart. My gosh, Jay once said, "Failing doesn't make you a failure." Remember that every time you fail, failing makes you a competitor. Every competitor fails. If you lay it on the line. You will come up short at times. Failure is a part of competing, and embracing that fact is an important component of toughness. Well, that makes you the biggest competitor possibly ever. I I am. I compete at competing. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I am. Uh, I think out of the gate, a failure to start the podcast. Wow. This is an F podcast out of the gate. I am um, wow. I like that. I thought that I've I've been saving that for the God. right time. You're gonna freak out in a couple weeks when I bring Jim Valvano on here for his pod thought of the day. Oh nope. Nope. That can't happen. Come on. So uh there's your pod thought of the day, courtesy of ESPN broadcaster. Yes, former Duke player, but we, we like him because of how much he likes Hubert Davis, Jay Billis. On mm. to the, the final thoughts from the win over Brown. Of course everyone knows it was just me Friday night. Solo pod. Yeah, that's, it was just me. Part of the issue. Bottle, you know, a, you know, a glass of wine, some nice cheese and crackers. Talking okay, about well, first some Carolina all, basketball. Boxed wine, no doubt, and Walmart brand crackers. There was no and cheese whiz. No, just some maybe cheese. just some nice sliced Sargento cheese. Lies. While I was You're talking cheap. about the Carolina win. <laughs> Before we get to my. My thoughts, again, on this, because my thoughts are more important. 
Oh yeah. That's let's get let's give you the chance to talk about the game. I know you got to see mainly the second half of Carolina's ninety four eighty seven win over the Brown Bears. Yeah, I mean, look, it definitely wasn't the cleanest game that we've seen from them by any stretch of the imagination, especially defensively. Uh, just a completely different game from the first game of the season. That, that was not at all what you would have expected from a team that showed a lot of heart defensively in the first game against Loyola. Um, but we knew coming in, we talked about it on the preview pod, that one of the things that this team could do that you needed to be able to take away in this game to keep them from staying in this game was protect the three-point line. And they didn't do that in this game at all, not even remotely close. Uh, and look, Brown made shots. They definitely did. But this was nowhere near the performance that you were hoping for. As you mentioned, there wasn't as much switching of defensive schemes. We saw a lot of that in the first game against Loyola where he kind of bounced back and forth between the zone and man-to-man. This game didn't see a lot of that. It was basically strictly man, and it didn't work out very well for Carolina. And But, but here's the thing. Even with all that, this is a game that the last two years, if they played the way they did defensively, they would have lost. No doubt in my mind they would have lost. The way that they played on the offensive end of the floor where they just found ways to match the buckets that Brown was making and the fact that they just could not slow them down was awesome. I mean, R.J. Davis was fantastic. And that is the guy that we know he is capable of being. Not every night, but... You're going to need that R.J. Davis a few times this year. He's got to be able to step up. And you'd like to see him be that consistent scorer, you know, 14, 15 a night. But that I, I that was a huge confidence booster for him. And I think that should have Torrio fans feeling pretty confident in what he can do on the offensive end. Because, I mean, look, we saw performances like that from him at times last year in terms of the scoring number. Not a lot of that was he just got hot from three. The other night, I mean, we came down the floor every time. You were saying, give him, give him the ball and just let's see what he's got. Let's start checking checking that range because he was knocking down some from Boone. Yeah. These things were way downtown, and it's just you. he looks like a different three-point shooter than he was a year ago. Armando Baycott was great in this game and needed to be in this game for Carolina. You said it in the preview. Got to play some bully ball inside against a smaller team. They did. Um, it was definitely a nerve-wracking game, but Carolina comes out with the win. And here's the thing. There are a lot of other teams around college basketball at the top of the country, not counting the top five teams that went head-to-head against each other. But there were some other teams that had some scares this week. It's early on in the season, and you're seeing some of these moments pop up. So I'm not, I'm not freaking out just yet, although I have been told by people somebody was freaking out a little bit on the podcast. And this is why you can't do solo podcasts. I why? need to be here to keep you in check and keep from losing your minds. You're going to have people jumping off the cliff two games in. I did not lose my mind. You called a win in the second game of the season disheartening. Let me explain. what? Let me explain something to you. This is the way that it works. Oh God! The scoreboard is not a reflection of my opinion. Here we go. the The scoreboard is the finality, maybe at the end of it. I watched for two what are you, hours. Stephen A. Smith. 
I watched it up two these hours the- of of this team play basketball. And for two hours, I was I should have said unimpressive, not disheartening. Lackluster. Exactly. So even 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 disappointing outing would have been disheartening. Yes. Come on. We're two games in. Two. This was a team Come on, man. that hadn't God. played a Division One opponent in over 600 days and came into your building and deep into the second half was shooting over 60%. And, I, and I'm supposed to sit on here and be like, no. I like nobody. What I saw. Nobody is saying that. You are cla- you are classifying a win in, in in a game that, as I explained, the last two years you probably lose with the way because you wouldn't have been able to keep up offensively, and you classified that as disheartening. You're still two and zero. Look, should you be super confident? Should you be saying, "Look, we think this is a team that's going to go in and steamroll Purdue," or should he? be competing with teams like Gonzaga and Texas and UCLA? No, hell no. No. God, there's a lap. No one's saying that. But now we're up to two laps. Oh my god. Whatever. So look here here's but the thing. Come on, man. You can't be at that point winning, off of that game. It's not that it's not I'm not at that point yet. Winning isn't enough. It's not <sighs> it's not if you win, it's how you win. That's going on a they t-shirt. They still won. That's going on a t shirt. They still they scored ninety four points. Like, are we not addressing the fact that this is so, an offense? This is two straight offensive performances that you should feel pretty confident in. In hindsight, due due to the fact of how late the game was. Oh, I here did, we. You know what this sounds like to me? This sounds like excuses. I did and not, coaches don't like excuses. I did not listen to Hubert Davis's presser pre-recorded. Slacker. Had I listened to what Hubie said, I would have probably been a little bit more at ease because he was like, I, I was glad we went through it. Uh, our offense can score with anybody in the country. Not going to that just yet. But everyone seemed to be relieved. Even Armando Baycott said, we're going to be better for this. The biggest issue I had was the fact that, look, they were 7-29 from three. They didn't, they didn't kill you from behind the three-point line. You couldn't guard the ball. And my biggest thing that was, was it, it felt like they shot a lot better from deep. My my biggest thing was those aren't the best guards Carolina's gonna see this week. No. And I I am a lot more comfortable now because of who because of who the head coach is, playing a little bit more zone because I, I don't I don't believe in it. But the other night they should have played zone. You believed in it the other night. Because they couldn't stay in front of the ball. And that was my thing was Look, you can't you can't play forty minutes of high level defense. It, it's literally it's physically impossible. I wanted them to take those seven to eight minutes from the from the Loyola game, and let's make them ten to twelve minutes, and then you build off of that game to game, week to week, and then by March you're playing thirty five to thirty six really good defensive good good defensive basketball, and that didn't happen. That's where I was the most frustrated. Had it been a had it been a situation where I thought. We played good defense, and they just made shots. I'm not going to come on here and complain because that's going because that's going to happen at some point this season. But that's not what I saw. I saw a team that had no desire to play defense, and I think we're 
much more efficient offensively. The numbers back that up. I think we're a much better offensive team. Do I think we're at the point where we can just roll the ball ball out and say, well, we can go out and score you? No. We're not there yet. You shouldn't be there yet. So, I agree with that. I definitely agree that the effort on the defensive end at times left you scratching your head. And I don't know if this was a game where early on I, I did the guy did they just get the feeling that look, we aren't we aren't stopping this team right now. We're we're just going to try to go toe-to-toe with them offensively, which I don't really get that mindset either because you're more talented than these guys. If you would have settled in and kept going at it defensively, you probably would have eventually slowed them down. But it felt like there were just points. And look, there were times in the second half where they just made shots. They got inside. They made tough shots. It is what it is. But I think part of that was you let them build up so mo- so much momentum early on. I mean, this team went into the half leading you, score, and they scored 50 in the half. Like, yeah. yeah that's, so you see why I was outraged. No, that's frustrating. But at the same time, you won the game. You're still 2-0, and and it's one where you just got to take it as you dodged a bullet. Are you patting the guys on the back and saying, great win? Like, is this something where, you know, you should be having the Dan Mullen mindset of, well, you know, we did win the game. Well, shut up. That's not, no. I'm not there, and I don't think Hubert Davis is there. But at the same time, I, I, in this game, I'm looking more at the positives of, you had you had two guys that played really really well on the offensive end in RJ Davis and Armando Baycott and look first two games of the year now you've had four guys that have scored over 20 points in those games they've been extremely six so there's a lot of good things on the offensive end i have confidence that the defense that you saw in the game against Loyola will be what you'll see going forward, mainly because I think if you don't see that, Hubert's going to make some personnel changes. I don't feel like he's a guy that's just going to want to sit around and watch these guys every single night try to play. And that would, you. I told you that when we were watching the game. That was an NBA game at the college level. That was, we're, we're, we're not really going to defend the ball. We're focused on how many points can we put up. And that's not going to win you a ton. In the ACC, that ain't going to win you a lot of games. The, the the thing to take away is this. Two years ago, they played – now, it wasn't to that level of scoring. They played a similar game against Gardner-Webb at home. It was a Friday night. It was a late tip. And I had an epiphany that Carolina was not going to be good that year. And I came on here and said, I think we're in trouble. Lo and behold, look, Carolina got beat up with injuries – but I think we can all agree, even if that team was healthy, they weren't going anywhere significantly. I didn't feel that way the other night. I still looked at that team and said, okay, the potential to be the type of team that I think they can be, it's there, but we've got to be – to get to where I think they can get to, they've got to be a complete team. I think they've got to be equally good on the offensive and the defensive end of the court. Now, maybe this team blossoms into an offensive juggernaut. I think I think they've shown the potential to score the ball, mm-hmm. but this team isn't 9 They're not 5 No, they're not nobody's score, saying that. They're not going to be able to score 100 on anybody, so they got to be able to make up for it on the defensive end, and this is when you build those habits, and I thought the other night they took a step back. That what? was all I was trying to get out. I mean, but that, okay, 
that explanation makes a lot more Look, sense than I- calling it disheartening. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't listen to the podcast all the way through. Oh, but our boss did, and I got a – That's right, I got and a I'm tw- glad he I did. I got a 1215 but- phone call. Getting lectured in the in the afternoon. Yes, not on the weekend. Not not at night. He wasn't that crazy. But all respect to the boss, man. I appreciated the words. That's right. Seahawk knows where it's at. Um, one other thing that I did want to mention, though, that I don't know if you pointed it out, they are one getting to the free throw line a now, lot. I mentioned that, and they, they they for the most part are shooting it well. I mean, Armando was two of five at the line. But 21 of 28 is pretty solid. Look, if they get 75%, yeah. it's like 38% from behind the three-point line. That's my number. And they're feeling – I mean, look, they they're, they made a decent – I mean, they were 9 of 21 from deep. But I think the, 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 the free throw line, that was one thing that I, I think was frustrating, especially last year at times. You felt like this was a team that could get to the line more if they wanted to, but they never drove the well, basket to get to the line. That's a culmination of being more aggressive and the floor opening and up. And the yep. floor opening up. And, and so that's the benefit of the style. Then it's about making the foul shots. So a couple of notes that came out of the game that I didn't have in the immediate recap. Armando Baker had the fourth highest field goal percentage in UNC history. Um, 10 of 11 from the field. Um, that's, of course, a minimum of 10 shots attempted. Um, so that was a you know a, a all-time performance from Mondo. Mm-hmm. And then here's a number. And I and I saw this on Twitter, and it just absolutely blew my mind. And this is coming from a guy that has, has been very critical of Leakey. Carolina with Leakey Black on the on the floor, plus 57.3 efficiency-wise per, per 40 minutes. With Leakey Black off the floor, minus 21.6. So the value of him being in the starting lineup, the, look, the data is there. And as long as you're getting the scoring from Davis and Love and Mondo or Manic, whoever's on the court – you can justify Kerwin Watt coming off the bench. Yeah, and, and look, the thing with Kerwin is, is, I mean, I saw a lot of people on there the other night that weren't happy with how he got used. I mean, look, here's the thing, guys. He's not going to play all that much if he can't defend. Like, and, it's just, and right that's now, one thing that's that's He's still a liability yes. on the defensive end of the court. Yep. And I, it's, it hurts to say, but look, as, man. Well, as long as Carolina's getting the offense from other pieces, like last year, he had to be on the floor because no one could make a three-point shot outside of Kerwin Wong. Right. So you had to play him 28 minutes. Right now, you don't have to, which is a luxury in a lot of ways that you're getting this offensive production from other guys, but he's still your best shooter. So you need him on the court. You're going to need him on the court. Right. But he's got to be able to hold his own to the defensive end, and I could take him off the bounce back when I had one leg Five years ago, and here's the thing: is that, and I don't even, I don't even deny that, even though the one like thing is still a lie. You're seeing, I mean, and you saw it even from the first game to the second game. One of the things I saw somebody saying today is, look, if you can't, if you struggle defensively, I think it was R.L. Bynum, our, our our guy who's been on a couple of times with us, now has his own website, Tario Tribune. Um, and does a great job over there. He was saying that, look, Hubert, if you don't defend, your minutes will get cut. Like, that's one of the big things about him. So you saw the fluctuation even in this game. Guys have to step up because if you don't, you're going to lose your playing time. And that's just, it is what it is. I think there's a role for Kerwin Walton on this team. Do I want Kerwin to have a big role on this team? Yes, because I think, as you've talked about, he's the best shooter on this team. 
But you, if you can't, if you're a defensive liability, especially in a game like this, you can't be out. You can't be out there for extended periods of time. You just can't. Um. So yeah. Look, that's our that's our closing thoughts. I will admit that I maybe used the wrong word. Yes, overreacted. Thank but God, but yes. people, Finally, I do think people wrong. could understand where I was coming from. Let's move on to Carolina's next opponent. Got to be the Rock, man. I am the Rock. <laughs> um, which is the College of Charleston. And look, this is this this has potential to be. A, a, a tough game, but a type of game that Carolina is going to play. I still think under Hebert Davis, they'll play these types of games moving forward. There is benefit in these types of games. Um, and, and they go to Charleston Tuesday night, 8.30 on CBS Sports Network. And, and the Cougars come in 3-0. and Three impressive home wins. They've got a, a win over a common opponent where they beat Loyola the other night, 79-272. They are coached by, still in my opinion, the most underappreciated coach in the still in the group of five, that being Pat Kelsey. He, he has become what Wes Miller was at, at UNC Greensboro, who of course is now at Cincinnati. He's going to get a big-time program. We just don't know when. Of course, where we live and where we're located, we got a little bit more closer view of what he did at Winthrop. Yeah. And he built oh, yeah. he built a, a sustainable program at Winthrop, took him to the tournament a handful of times. They had the tournament the other year with the longest winning streak in the country at one point. They were a very popular pick every year they were in the tournament. Yeah. I picked them a couple times pull up sets. So did I. Um, and, and there were times that they, they, you, the, they, they have done it in the past. He moved on to the College of Charleston because their coach, Anthony Grant, is now up in Boston College, a guy we will see later on during the ACC season. As I mentioned, 3-0, impressive wins. They're scoring the ball at a really high rate, averaging 90.3 points per game. But as you can expect, they have their deficiencies, as most group of five rosters do. The average height on this roster is just 6'5". The average experience on this roster is just 1.2 years of experience um, for the Cougars. Wow. But they've got two dudes that are filling the ball or filling the basket up to start the season. John Minks from the Burlington School, a school that we, you know, following some AAU and summer ball circuits, they've become really popular, averaging 17.7 points, five point five rebounds, three and a half assists. And then Brendan Tucker, 16.7 points, 2.7 rebounds, 0.3 assists per game. And Carolina and Charleston, they have history. Some of it's good. Some of it is not so good. Carolina all-time against the Cougars, 5-3, and three, including 3-0 and in Chapel Hill. But they have lost their only trip to Charleston. That was back in the, during the 2009-2010 season. That was effectively the game that the wheels came off, and that season just fell apart as Larry Drew couldn't handle the basketball. And then they're two and Shocking. two in Charlotte. So they're had they, they've played on some in different areas. Are those those got to be old games, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and so look, they've got some history. Of course, these two teams met last year to open the season. Yep. A 79 to 60 win for Carolina to begin the season. This first time Carolina started two freshmen in the backcourt. That was R.J. Davis and Caleb Love. Carolina started the game, I believe, on a 16-2 run. Ended up was trailing at the end of the first half. Took a minute lead into halftime and then really set their set, set themselves apart in the second half. But 
This is going to be a test in a lot of different ways. This is a really good test. This wasn't a game scheduled by Hubert Davis. This was agreed to upon Roy Williams' retirement. But I do think Carolina under Hubert Davis will still play these types of games going into this type of environment because it is beneficial. It's going to be a smaller environment, but it's going to be more raucous. Charleston's going to be Definitely. fired up to try to pull off another upset of Carolina, something they've had success doing in the past in their home building. And it, it should be a fun matchup for the Tar another chance for them to take the next step, this time on the road for the first time under HD. Yeah, no, it's a really good test for them because, as you mentioned, Pat Kelsey is a heck of a coach. I mean, this is – you know, it's his first year there, and it's a little bit of a different challenge because it's pretty rare that you see a mid-major team that's that young. Mm. That's a that's ex- an extremely young team that Carolina is going to be facing. So maybe you can take advantage of that with some of your veterans that you have, especially in the front court. And you should with the average height of their roster being 6'5". They're a smaller roster, so you'd think you'd be able to take advantage of it. But, I mean, look, they got two guys, as you mentioned, that can score the ball, and that was an issue this past you know, this past game against Brown. And look, the thing that, I, I, that definitely hurt against Brown as well was the fact that they were missing their leading scorer. These two guys, as far as we know, are going to play in this game. Yeah. So Carolina's got to be ready to go in this one. You don't want to have to get into another track mean and look if they come out and shoot like a ridiculous like 70 percent in the first half or something there's nothing you can do about it if as long as you're showing the effort defensively i don't think anybody is going to be disappointed or concerned going forward but i mean look this is as you being on the road it's it's a it's a weird environment because it's a smaller environment, but that's always been a place that because their teams have always usually been successful, they they take pride in their basketball program. So there's going to be a pretty decent crowd there. They're going to look at this as a good chance to pull a massive upset over Carolina. I mean, look, people probably still have questions about Carolina, even a, especially after the other night, but this is still a chance in their minds to pull an upset against a team that's ranked 18th in the country. So Carolina's got to come prepared. It can't be like the other night where they were just slow out of the gate, a little sluggish, especially on that defensive end of the ball. Uh, but I, 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 I think you know this is still a, a game that Carolina should be able to win. You have the talent gap. Um, for sure, um, and and I think I'm not going to say you should be able to win it really easily because shoot, I thought they were going to beat Brown handedly. Exactly, didn't happen. It was your fault that I had to go on here and overreact. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Place the blame on that. But uh, I still think that this is a game that 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 favors Carolina well. I want to see them put the ball inside for sure um, against a smaller group. Uh, and and my thing is is who are the guys on the offensive end that step up in this game? Um, I'm not concerned about that by any stretch. I think that you're going to see probably another group of guys that can step up. That's the most intriguing part about this team right now is that you've got all these guys that can score the ball, and that feels so good because the last couple of years you were relying on two, maybe three guys occasionally that could score the ball consistently for you. The other night, I mean – out of the guys that have scored 20 points so far this season in a game, Caleb Love was the guy that scored the least amount of points for you, and he still scored 13. Wasn't overly efficient from the field, but got to the free throw line and was 5-6. of six. So I think this is a, a good chance for Carolina to sort of right some of the wrongs that they had against Brown 
um, all, especially on the defensive end, and get you know a, a comfortable win, hopefully, uh, that can sort of put you back in the good graces of some of the people that may have some concerns, including somebody that hosts this podcast. We're going to take a quick break, play this week's dra- uh, ad from DraftKings, then come back, give our keys to the game, and then pick the game before we do get out of here for this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Basketball, football, UFC, you name it. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Now, use the promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with the promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Look, the very first key I got written down is Carolina's got to defend. I'm liking these first two keys. They are extremely basic, but uh, pretty spot on. They they are. And, (laughs) And look, it's not that despite Charleston scoring 90 points per game, they're not an offensive juggernaut. They're coming in just shooting 41% from the field, 47% from two-point land, and just 33% from behind the three-point line. They do get to the foul line relatively a lot. They're averaging 27 free throws per game, shooting 27 free throw or shooting 70% from the foul line to start the season. But it's more about same thing like with Brown. Brown didn't enter being an offensive-minded team. They wanted to make the game more of a half-court game and, and play defense. The game didn't play out that way, but Carolina didn't show any resistance. They didn't They didn't pressure the ball. They didn't force – they only forced five turnovers. Now, you forced five turnovers against a group of five opponent. That was really dis- disheartening. There's that word again. That was, that was what was really frustrating Come on. the other night. So it's more just about the attitude. That, and look, defense is all about effort and want to. you got to want to defend. Nobody wants to play defense. Nobody willingly that plays basketball wants to say, I want to play defense. No, you want to put the ball in the basket. That's what I did best. That's what most uh. of these dudes on the team do best. So it's coming out with that sense of urgency. Hubert Davis was excited to get his team back on the court um, on, on Saturday or on Sunday and then today because he – Got a chance to work on the defense. I do think you'll see another wrinkle or two. Maybe play some zone. A, a, you know, a trap out of a timeout. Maybe some three-quarter court press. Some different things out of Carolina defensively. Because as I mentioned before when talking about the defense, you got to build these good habits now or you look up and it's December, January, and you're a bad defensive team and there's no recuperating from that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely think that – I mean, you look at the games that this team has played so far this season, at College of Charleston, that is. 
mean, they scored 106 in their first game, but they played South Carolina State. That's a juggernaut. Okay. Yeah. You, you, okay. Yeah. I mean, you, great, great breakdown. Tell me uh, South Carolina State's best player. Dang. That stinks. I just said but they were a juggernaut. The other games is here. Here's the thing. They let up 74 in that game as well. They let up 77 in the game against Lipscomb, and they let up 72 in the game against Loyola, Maryland. So this is a team that, like Carolina, is not coming in defending at a high level. Now, the thing that I see is, look, they've scored 79 or more points in every game that they've played, too. This is a team that's probably going to want to play fast, and they're going to take a little bit of a – they are going to want to try to score with Carolina. That could be dangerous for them, but Carolina's got to make them pay. I, I definitely think after the other night, there is going to be a concerted effort for guys to step up. I think there is going to be some motivation in this locker room to step up and say, look, we are nowhere near that team that you saw the other night defensively. We are so much better than that, and we're going to prove that. I, they're going to have to in this game, I think, because you do not want to be in a close game late in this one. It is on the road. I'm not saying that this is an environment that could get to you, but you want to be able to put away some of these games comfortably and focus on these bigger games. Because, look, if you struggle in this game, I mean, how are you going to have confidence going into the the, the weekend that you have coming up where you got to play Purdue and then either Tennessee or Villanova? Well, that's that's a that's a whole different topic. But look, you, you, look, they they got they got to defend, and that's the first key. Second key might be very vague, but it's also very important. They got to rebound the ball, and I tell you why. Well, Carolina has yet to out-rebound their opponent by double digits, which is kind of mind-boggling for the first two games, especially what we're used to. To be fair, there weren't a lot of rebounds the other night. But the thing is, is Charleston enters the game averaging 52 rebounds per game. That is seventh in the country. They're averaging 18 offensive rebounds. By the way, how is that only seventh in the country? Yeah, I don't know. Um, 18 offensive rebounds. That's only eighth in the country, and then 33 defensive rebounds. There, uh, the, the mo of Pat Kelsey is a lot like where Roy Williams was. Our best offense might be our second chance offense. They're going to crash the boards. And look, Carolina hasn't proven to be a dominant rebounding team. Loyola and Brown have rebounded with Carolina. Armando Baycott leads the team with eight rebounds per game, four and a half on the offensive end, or on the defensive end, and then three and a half on the offensive end. It's more about the the limiting the offensive rebounds. If Carolina can box out, get their bodies on them, and get defensive rebounds and limit them to one shot, I think I think they'll, 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 they'll get their offensive rebounds when they want to. Is Schubert Davis sending his guys back to get more and play defense more often? Absolutely he is. And I think that's a rightfully so, considering the issues they have had at times early in the season playing defense at a high level. But you got to commit two bodies, whether it's Baycott, Manic, Baycott, Garcia. The guards are doing the little bit of their own. They're going and getting the rebounds when they need to, but they need to limit the offensive rebounds for the for the College of Charleston and make this a not not a one not not a not a half court game, but a one possession game only for the Cougars. Well, look, Carolina did a great job in the first game against Loyola of Maryland, keeping them off the offensive glass. The game against Brown, which was a team that we talked about, was a relatively small team. Brown had 10 offensive rebounds. In this game, 
you're talking about, and, and this is the thing that concerns me the most about the College of Charleston. As you mentioned, they're averaging 52 rebounds a game. They don't have a single guy on their roster that has more than eight rebounds per game, though. It's a spread out attack on the glass. So you're going to need every one of your guys to be able to rebound in this mm. game. That's the thing that I think, if you're looking at rebounding from Carolina's standpoint, yeah, you've got to have Armando Baycott and Brady Manick, Dawson Garcia, those guys buying in on the glass. But you need some of your guards to step up and rebound the ball as well in this game. And, I, I, I mean, it's it's key because you don't want to give this this team second-chance opportunities. With the rate that they're scoring right now, if they really do want to play this game with you or they want to try to match you score for score and you're giving them second-chance opportunities, that's what's going to give a mid-major team like this life. And as you mentioned, that's one of the things Pat Kelsey's done, did it at Winthrop, and now he's going to want to do it here. So, I, I, Carolina, it's just like defending. It's all about the want to and the mindset in this game of we need to and want to cr- crash the glass. They've got the guys that can do it. It's just a matter of actually coming out and saying, look, we're going to command the glass. And I'm with you. Even if on the offensive glass you're not as dominant. I mean, you were pretty good the other night. You had 13 offensive rebounds. But you need to you need to take care of the defensive end of the floor in this one on the glass. Because if you don't, College of Charleston can hurt you. Number three, it's an extension uh, for R.J. Davis and Caleb Love to build off their start. Love is currently leading the team in scoring 17.5 points per game. Davis leading the team in assists at 5.5 per game. But it, the extension is you got it. We, we need to get Kerwin Walton involved. Now, granted, Kerwin Walton needs to earn the right to be on the floor and play legitimate minutes. But Carolina needs his shooting. They need him just more to be in rhythm. You don't want to have you don't want him out of starting the season in a funk, and then you're having him to come in the middle of the season and kind of shoot his way out of it. So we need to get him on the court, earn his way onto the court, involve him in the offense, get him some good queen looks from behind the three point line. He's also added a nice little mid range jumper, which is something that we talked about in the preseason leading up. He's got to have a more diverse offensive game. But if they Carolina can get those three guys in the backcourt playing really well, coupled with their guys in the front court where it seems like every night they're going to have at least two guys playing at a high level. It's Baycott, Manic, Baycott or Garcia, or maybe one night it'll be, it'll be Manic and Garcia. Carolina would be really tough to beat if duh, if, if Love, Davis, and Walton are all uh, are all playing at a high level. See, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would love to see Kerwin get going, but I think more of what you talked about there is, is the most important part, is you want to see these guards continue to take steps forward. And you want to see the guys down low, your big men, be consistent. And I think at this point, I definitely think Garcia is going to be involved and he'll have nights where he's going to play well. I think it's important for you to continue to get the type of production that you got the other night from Baycott and from Manic. And look, they can you know, you can switch off those nights. You know, Baycott could be the guy that has 14, you know, and and it doesn't shoot as efficiently from the field. But Brady Manic. And Armando Baycott got to be involved with this team, especially early on when you're facing some of these smaller teams that you should be able to bully inside and get easy baskets. You want to see those guys taking advantage of that, along with Dawson Garcia. Um, and, and look, there were still some things the other night from Dawson Garcia that I think he's got to clean up. He, he, you know, 
I definitely think he's a guy that still has to be a little bit smarter in terms of the shots that he's taking. And um, but 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 I think that there's still a lot of really good things for Carolina to to where they should be going into this game pretty confident in the guys that they have. I'd like to see Kerwin Walton get going as well. Um, but I think at this point, it's like we talked about earlier. Right now, you can't really afford to take Leaky Black off the floor for him if he's not going to defend at even an average level. Leaky's just been way too efficient for you. And, I mean, look, the other night, I mean, Leaky was 2 of 4 from the field and 3 of 4 from the free throw line. He scored 7 points. So he's doing those things that you need him to do. I mean, look, if, if Walton gets going, great. But I think right now, you kind of need Leaky out there. Let's go ahead and pick the game. Carolina enters the game with a 74 or 75.2% chance to win. That's, of course, their lowest total so far this season. They are 2-0 in the regular season, but they're 0-2-0 against the spread. Charleston enters the game 3-0, 2-1-0 against the spread. I think Carolina wins, but I do think this game will be the road version of Brown where – Ten minutes to go in the second half. I don't think it's going to be a clear, definite Carolina's going to win the game, which is going to be beneficial come the, come the ACC season. But I do think they get contributions from Glove and Davis. I think Armando Baycott follows up a big performance. This might be the first time we see Dawson Garcia really etch his name and say, look, I'm going to be a big part of this team. He hasn't had that game yet this season. But I do think Carolina wins and does improve to 3-0. Yeah, look, I mean, I think Carolina wins, but I'm kind of where you're at. I, I, I think this is going to be one of those games that will be a little nerve-wracking. Uh, this is a team that can score. They, they've done it so far this season. They've scored a lot of points. Now, granted, it's against mid-majors, but I mean, this is still a team that looks like they're going to be willing to go toe-to-toe with you on the offensive end. The thing is, is that Carolina's in an offensive groove right now. And this has not been a good defensive team for College of Charleston either. Very similar to what Carolina's been uh, out of the gate so far this year, uh, if not even worse. So I think Carolina will be able to score the ball in this game. I think, you know, one of the guards I think definitely has a big night. I want to see one of the other things that I want to see in this game. I want to see them continue to be aggressive getting to the free throw line. That's got to carry over into conference play, but especially against these mid-major opponents in the out-of-conference, you need to be able to take advantage of them not being able to stay in front of the basketball and you being able to get inside and get into the lane to either finish or draw fouls. you got to keep doing that in this game. Gets, you know, Look, one of the things that helped you against Brown was you got some guys in foul trouble. Got to try to do that again in this game against College of Charleston because, yeah, I think it could be ugly, um, but I do think Carolina wins. Uh, and I think it's it'll be you know a, a smaller margin than a year ago, but I could see Carolina probably winning by double digits at the end of the game, but it being a game that's closer than it appears on the scoreboard. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Anthony and I both picking Carolina victories to improve 2-3. Now, before we let you go, why don't you get to the website, Heel Tough Blog, Dot com where we had you covered from all things Brown leading up to it and in and, and the post game as well. Same thing for the College of Charleston. Previews up on the website. There'll be a recap up as well um, as, we're, as we're taking you through the college basketball season from now until hopefully the first uh, Monday night in April. On the football side of things, Carolina has two games left. Wofford at home this Saturday at NC State next Friday. We'll, we'll, we'll take you through the, the rest of the football season. And, of course, if Carolina 
goes to a Bulgans article up right now about the future of Sam Howell at Carolina following an injury and a potential move to the NFL draft. So get all of that great football content as well on HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast side of things, we're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone, but we're now on iTunes, Art Radio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it. The Four Corners and our sister pod, the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, they're there. Go ahead and like both, review both, mainly review Anthony's performance on both because I know I am sensational on both podcasts. But we Yeah, won't. who was the one that got caught? complained about on the last edition of the I did podcast? I did not get complained. I will take my crown now. Thank they, you. They were just addressing They were just addressing the, ine- the, the inefficiencies of the podcast. No. Hey, look, man. I mean, it is what it is. There is nothing. It's in- constructive criticism. There's nothing inefficient about me. Didn't we just talk about earlier in the show because you there's nothing once again fail- failed out of the gate that no. failure makes you a better competitor? I've never failed. Go ahead, like okay, both, okay, LeVar. review both, but go ahead and subscribe to both. That way you get every great podcast that we do right there in your podcast feed. We're banging out about two to three basketball pods per week. Same for the football, about two to three per week as well. So make sure you subscribe to both. That way you get everyone right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening, and as always... Go Tar Heels! The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.